As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. Silly us. We thought that if we were going to do a Tuesday podcast looking back at Monday Night Football and everything else the Kansas City Chiefs had gone through, that if we were going to turn around and do another podcast on Thursday, that we might just not have enough to talk about. That's not the case, because Jordan Love is going to start on Sunday. We'll talk about that here on this edition of Time's Ours, which is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I'm Joshua Briscoe, joined here by Nate Taylor. No Seth Kaiser on this edition, but hope to have him back to break down this game. Uh, Nate, never a dull moment, my friends. Been a been a quick-moving week so far. It's, uh... I don't know what it is about the middle of an NFL season, um, because about the first month, Josh, goes according to plan. You know, teams are trying to compete. Um, everybody's excited. And then, um, yeah, by about Halloween-ish, <laughs> and as Bobby Stroop said, the the... Matchup we all underestimated apparently was COVID versus Halloween. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's very funny. Um, yeah. yeah, shout out to Bobby. But like, at no point did I ever think we'd watch Jordan Love play football this year, yeah. let alone um, against the Chiefs as his first true start. Um, I, I've thought about this game a decent bit, but it's just not the same. And I imagine that is such a weird feeling that we sort of got today at the Chiefs facility just talking about like, hey, I ain't got no film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we just, we just don't. Um, and so what a, what a bizarre situation, but it, it's always like, there's a run on injuries that I always hate around this time just because, ladies and gentlemen, the, the human body is not meant to play football. 
uh, every seven days at this level of speed and power. Mm-hmm. And then we just throw Thursday night games in front of you. Cause, yep. Because why? Uh, or a team like the Chiefs, uh, who's been to three straight AFC Championship games, is playing Monday night in essentially Sunday afternoon. I mean, it's just, hey, hey boys, five-day turnaround. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Uh, that always happens. Uh, COVID is still very real out here. Um, as Patrick Mahomes said on Wednesday, uh, we all hope Aaron Rodgers will get through this, uh, relatively clean, uh, similar to what happened with Tyron Matthew. Um, although there is a big difference there between. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We'll get, you know, we'll get around to it. We'll get around to the big differences because this story just gets weirder. Yeah. It's a bit of a, bit of a, Bit of a gargantuan difference in mm-hmm. the two players, but hey, you still hope for the same end result. Of course. Um, I don't know, Josh. I mean, probably for our listeners just as much as us, uh, I feel like there's about 10 things you could probably pick from as to like what's mm-hmm. most interesting or what's most apparent or needs to be the highest priority now. And I don't think there's really a wrong answer. Um when it comes to this matchup that weirdly enough feels like she's kind of got to win it now. Like, Hey, would have yeah. been nice. Had you won. Hey, would have been nice. Had you beat Aaron Rodgers, And maybe that would have signaled a true, uh, turning point or an inflection in terms of like, you know, the ebbs and flows of the season. Um, but now it's like, well, you beat the giants and you're playing, Jordan Love in his first career start in a loud Arrowhead Stadium should probably win that game, right? Well, you say that there's lots of places you could start. You think it'll be reasonable. And that, you know, I think that's fair, except for there is one, I think, absolutely above all else place to begin, uh, which I don't even know if you've seen because it, it broke while you were talking. According to Adam Schefter, Packers officially signed quarterback Blake Bortles to their practice squad. Mm. So all this Jordan Love talk has been nice. But if Blake Bortles gets out there, that line has to go back to wherever it was, maybe even farther in the Packers' favor than with Aaron Rodgers. Because I I couldn't tell you the last time I saw Blake Bortles lose a football game. <laughs> now, I couldn't tell you the last time I've seen him play a football game either. It's been many years. But but yeah, no, I mean, it's again, there, there are so many different little angles on this in terms of how we got here, where they go from here. And, and you know, we've talked to... Um, today was coordinators and, and Melvin Ingram. And then yesterday we heard from Tyron Matthew on the defensive side. And all of the, all of the questions that you could possibly ask at this point are sort of along the lines of what do you do to prepare for a quarterback in their first start? But also it's somewhere between having the starter get hurt the week before and having the backup just run into the game. Yeah. Because it, Rogers was definitively ruled out yesterday, um, like by the Packers. In addition to all of the reports, so on Wednesday, you knew for sure that you were not playing Aaron Rodgers, but were instead playing Jordan Love, which is I just can't imagine that that happens very often. And then so you have you know Spags every once in a while will drop the phrase that you you uh, plan for the scheme. He he said that again today because. What else? There's not like a tendency that Jordan Love has shown on tape over the course of a dozen games because he doesn't have that kind of tape. So it's just 
from a preparation standpoint, and also, as you said there, from an expectation standpoint in terms of this pretty quickly shifting from a, hey, Chiefs, surprise me here and I'll feel mm-hmm. pretty good to a, uh, oh, you know what, lose this game to Jordan Love and things are pretty dire front. It's a, it's, it has quickly gone from being a really kind of exciting quarterback matchup to being a game that I think you're right to say, like, might now mean a little bit more for the Chiefs, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's say another statistic that is both real and startling. If the Chiefs win on Sunday, Josh, that will be the first time they've had back-to-back victories all season. Goodness. Wow. Yeah, that's yep. true. Yep. That's ridiculous. And startling. You're startled. I can see it. I can feel it. When was Wow, okay. I'm going to at some point I'm going to I'm going to do some uh like I just try to figure out the last like longest stretch of that they would have had because I could not even tell you how incredibly rare that has to be for this team. Yes. They, you know, they haven't lost. When's the last time they lost back-to-back games? Well, that happened, it wasn't last year. Well, that well that happened. Are you talking about uh, past this season or, or, or in previous years? Because no, previous years. Yeah, so because yeah, yeah. obviously they lost to the the Ravens and the Chargers in right. Two, no, I mean week two and three. Just like to try to, they lost to the Colts and Texans back to back in twenty nineteen. Yeah, because of Mahomes is um, as Seth would say and. Uh, Seth would say, yeah, he would, you know, he was dealing with the ankle injury at the time, which then mm-hmm. inadvertently led to the uh dislocated kneecap against the Broncos. But yes, right. um that was that was a streak where at least you could identify the quarterback wasn't fully healthy. Um and the defense at the time was still trying to iron the kinks um under their first year with Steve Spagnolo. But th- that's the last time that they before this year had lost back to back games. And they did it very late in the season in 2018. Also, uh, Chargers Seahawks back to back. But like to to not be able to win back to back games right now really is a startling stat. And would again, you you understand that where the Chiefs stand in the division right now, that all these divisional games count as like a game and a half because there's just a lot of an AFC West team is going to get a wild card spot. I think almost certainly. Because either the the Raiders, Chiefs, or Chargers, one of those teams is going to win the division, obviously, even though the Chiefs and Broncos are tied right now. But one of those teams is going to win the division, and then one of those teams is going to get out of the scrum in more or less one piece, I think. Um, but to just be able to win back-to-back games and to have Jordan Love to be the guy to get through at quarterback, it's not quite Daniel Jones and the Giants. This is a better football team, and they... Barely got through the Giants. But it just sort of feels uh, not like a must win. I think that's probably a little too strong and was definitely true last week. But a you really would like to get out of here with it. Because then if they go to the Raiders next week in primetime and lose, you're talking about a four and six football team. Yeah. That's way back in the division if that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Wild. you know, go out there and uh, go out there and get a dub. Um, I, I really get the sense and... You were sitting right next to me, Josh, uh, in the press conferences today on a gloomy, but now, you know, sun sun's starting to show itself. Peeking through. Here on a Thursday afternoon. Um, 
I waited till the very end because there was some other stuff that was going on in the Steve Spagnuolo portion of today's news conference. Uh-huh. But I asked him, I said, hey, if you don't have any tape on this kid and they really have never ran through a full game operation with him before. And that is a true statement. Like, yes, mm-hmm. he ran some plays in preseason. That is not the same as we're in week nine of an NFL season. Because um, let me let me tell you, Jordan, game moves real fast, man. Real fast. Uh-huh. So if you know these two things, is it appropriate for you to blitz this man in a nature that you necessarily wouldn't if it was a veteran superstar quarterback, i.e. Aaron Rodgers? Mm-hmm. Steve Spagnuolo basically said, well, in the old days, mm-hmm. in 1990s, early 2000s, um, when quietly they weren't letting quarterbacks run the ball. Yep. Uh, you could do that. That was just a guarantee. Like, yep, first time starter, blitz him to death. Now, I think this is my opinion and theory. He is setting this up to do exactly that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Steve Spagnolo never said we're not going to blitz him. But he also never said we are going to blitz him. He was just saying, hey, I understand your question, Nate. You might be onto something. Here's what I'm gonna do. We used to do that, but hey, we gotta we gotta defend the scheme. And hey, those that Devontae Adams guy is good, and so is Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Like they're great. I want to see what the first third and seven is. Yeah, because I'd be bringing just about everyone. Because hey, either you get there or Devontae Adams scores regardless. I mean, like what's <laughs> like, what is really the difference? I feel like for the Chiefs, this is a Hey, um, by the way, Anthony Hitchens appears to be trending towards playing. Uh, he did practice today. Uh, so did Colin Saunders. Uh, it, it appears that just about everybody on defense is, again, relatively healthy and able to be in the lineup. So with that as a strength, go out there and bliss this man to death. Uh, so I, first of all, if people haven't followed up on Jordan Love's career, generally speaking, um, he, he was perfectly happy to run the ball every once in a while, really pretty frequently, actually at Utah state he had 81 carries his last, his junior year there. That's wild. Um, yeah. So he ran the ball frequently, not a lot. I don't know how many of those were like designed runs or successful scrambles. Cause he wasn't, Correct. he wasn't Lamar Jackson by any means. He wasn't running for six yards a clip, yes, but, right. um, is athletic, is happy to move around whenever he, he needs to. I thought that that Spags's note on that to 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 take both sort of your conspiracy theory and sort of Spags at his word. I do think there is something really interesting about like yeah, it's not as easy to just blitz the young quarterback as it would be if Mac Jones was back there, you know, oh. or or first year Matt Stafford, right? Like the, you know, if you want to go olden days, I don't know if Matt Stafford quite. That's probably about <laughs> right. Um, that, that, you know, that was in some ways you would see extra disguises from defenses going up against a young quarterback and try to bait them into mistakes and stuff. But specifically blitzing, if you have a quarterback that can make you pay for that with their legs, then it becomes a little bit riskier. To your point, though, maybe that makes them a little less willing to blitz on third and four if they're you know preparing for a, a potential pass there yeah or but a screen right. or a screen boys oh. <laughs> <laughs> or a screen watch I'm the screen gonna, i'm just gonna put that in a separate little category <laughs> that we, i want to come right back to because hey, we'll see yeah if, if legere sneed ain't making that tackle 
did. It's Nick Bolton 10 yards past the line of scrimmage, unfortunately. That's right. That's right. Um, but I think that if you get that little third and seven, it, God forbid for, for him it's third and ten. Mm-hmm. Dan Sorensen is going to be on that field. And if you can have him running forward or running backwards, I'd prefer the former. Just let him go. Let Dan Sorensen go chase Jordan Love around. See what happens. Um, I just don't know. I don't feel like I know what to expect from him. Uh, but I, to your point, I do think we have a pretty good idea about what to expect from the offense. If you want to go back to the last Chiefs-Packers game, it is it is the game definitively for me that I just continue to have uh, flashbacks to any time a running back is catching a football against the Chiefs. I feel like they've been chasing that game personnel-wise ever since then. Also, it was the last time we were supposed to get Mahomes and Rodgers and ended up with uh, Matt Moore and Aaron Rodgers because yep. of the aforementioned kneecap issue, which is one of the bummers out of this. It's a break for the Chiefs, no, no question, but kind of a bummer from a, a football-watching perspective. But you you mentioned the screens, you mentioned the running backs. Also, obviously, Devontae Adams. I I would not I would not hesitate to keep him in your fantasy lineups, folks. I, I think I think Jordan Love is going to find seventeen and go to him probably approximately seventeen times. <laughs> Bubble screens, uh, slants, uh, yeah. crossers. Uh, hey. Can you do the McCole Hartman uh, jet sweep pop pass? End uh, arounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many ways to get this man the ball um, that the Chiefs are going to have to be very alert. But um, hey, maybe maybe Matt Lafleur will lose will use excuse me Devontae Adams as a, as a decoy, which means he should definitely be fired if he does that on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> like when you say something out of your mouth, you're like, nope, he should be fired if he does that. sorry i took you guys on a journey there but um you can put you can put make him a decoy so you can uh target once again mercedes lewis who is not only still in the league i think kind of touchdown against the cardinals i think is when we all or had a had a catch it was almost a touchdown Mm -hmm. on thursday night Um, uh yeah hey randall cobb is like a legit number two option um that's true which is weird to say but it's true um now Uh, now is that i'm gonna now, is that true because Aaron Rodgers is throwing him the ball, or is that true because he is – I mean, he is playing consistently. I will give him credit. But obviously, as a receiver, you are dependent upon the quarterback to, to service you in the in the right manner. Uh, we'll see what that happens with Jordan Love. But look, they have they have real – they have real options, real weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, one could argue they have maybe – if and, it, and this is, again, if everybody we assume plays, plays because, you know, COVID. Uh if everyone is out there, one could argue that the Packers have the better collection of skill position players on offense. And when was the last time we said that about the opponent of the Chiefs, Josh? Mm. It's been a very long time. I, I don't know when that. I mean, I, I I don't know how many teams I would argue that about in any form. I, I think the last team you could argue that about, based on the timing, and then finally getting in stride was probably the Buccaneers in Super Bowl Fifty Five. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Chiefs fans, but. I mean that team that that offense was humming, and it yeah. took them it took them a quarter. I will give Spagnuolo credit. It took them a quarter, but once they sort of figured out what all the Chiefs could do, then then yeah, they were basically a bus off. It did help. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna acknowledge it. It did help that a it was a home game, sir and ma'am. Yes, the officiating was kind of shaky, mm-hmm. but maybe that's the last time. Uh, I'd like to just give you a real quick Mercedes Lewis statistic here, if you don't mind. 
in the first round of his draft, also selected were Vince Young, Jay Cutler, Matt Leinart, Tamba Holly, the only guy in that first round. Uh, yeah, yesterday, I think. Shout out to Happy Birthday, Tom. Yeah. Um, as of uh, the, in the first round, the only other player that even played last year was Jonathan Joseph. And he Not playing still, this year, apparently. And he was still getting paychecks, y'all, because, hey, sometimes you can just get paychecks knowing where you got to be. I mean, just I, I used to watch him on film and be I just marvel at like. He knows he's athletically at a decline, and that dude is still not bad. <laughs> Devin Hester was drafted in this draft. Here's, here's my last stat from the Mercedes Lewis slash 2006 NFL draft class. Uh, the Jags took him in the first round, and in the second round took Maurice Jones-Drew. Yeah, baby. <laughs> he retired after the 2014 season. Playing running back is hard, kids. It's tough. That is tough. <laughs> she took Bernard Pollard in the second round that, that year. Wow. And what is Bernard Pollard mostly known for? Ruining, Destroying Tom Brady's knee. And ruining how to play defense in this league for yes. decades. Yes. <laughs> Forever breaking what it means to tackle a quarterback. Yep. Unbelievable. Okay, I'm closing that page. We can go back to talking about the actual, you know, task no, at hand here. That was a... That was a exciting memory lane it uh, really is it's I, wow i love there was a tweet going around a, a while back that was something like uh dudes will just start reading the wikipedia page of any nfl draft and talk about it for 30 minutes <laughs> and then it really that that tweet really felt like an attack on exactly who i am because i just love so much like 2006 nfl draft mercedes lewis and maurice jones drew what yeah <laughs> Yeah, Mercedes Mercedes Lewis is from a different era. Nope, he's still playing still football. Here. Still and out will, here. And will catch a touchdown in the middle of the field, standing one inch behind the goal line on Sunday. I just feel pretty confident in that. Yeah. Um, another question I'll just throw out to our audience. Um, are you willing to play base for the majority of this game? Because if you do, mm. if you do, Steve Spagnuolo... Um, Anthony Hitchens, based on my understanding, will replace the Ben Neiman snaps. And if you stay in base or nickel, Dan Sorensen really not on the field? This is the first time all season you could competently say, maybe we have the best 11 defenders on the field all at the same time. What a novel concept. It only took nine weeks. Yeah, that you know, I hadn't given that any thought really, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. That's that's that is an option. You have your entire pass rush. We, we talked to Melvin Ingram today. I we'll see if he plays it. Everyone has been non-committal about it, which is understandable. You know, Andy Reid said yesterday you don't want to put a player in a bad spot. I get it. Also, they traded a sixth-round pick for a dude who is whose clock is ticking in terms of <laughs> how much time they are going to have him for. But yes, whatever. We'll we'll see. Um, it would be fabulous for them to have their best four defensive linemen, their three, I was going to say actually good linebackers, like genuinely good. Yeah. Hitchens has had plenty of issues this year, it seemed, but certainly their best three linebackers, Mm -hmm. their actual two best safeties, and probably Snead and Ward, I would guess, although I think, you know, I never never saw the snap counts for Monday night in terms of 
if if Ward if, outsnapped Fenton this time. Yeah, I, I I I'll double check that. I believe that to be a case where they they fully put um, Ward back as a full time starter and and you know didn't really give up anything of note um, when he was out there. But yeah, I think you're right. But I'll I'll double check that here in a minute. Yeah, I might I might stumble into it here as well. Oop, I searched uh, Chiefs Giant snap counts on Twitter and then I got a a tweet from Matt Derrick from 2017. <laughs> so here, uh, Chiefs defense, we're just playing memory lane today because Seth's not here. Uh, Frank Zombo, Marcus Peters, Ron Parker, <laughs> all played 100% of the snaps. Dan Sorensen played all but one. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Rashad Fenton had 38 snaps, 63%, um, with Ward back at starting uh, position doing 57 of the 60 snaps, which was 95%. Okay, sorry. Give me those numbers one more time. Um, yeah, so, again, you're starting to see the shift. Uh, right. Tyron, Tyron Matthew was the only defender, by the way, who played all 60 defensive snaps. Which, by the way, that's the snap count you want, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Like You don't need them to be out there 70 to 75 times. Um, Lajarius Need had 59. Traverius Ward had 57, so 95%. And then, basically, okay. however you want to dis- distinguish it, uh, Sneed is technically the first... Uh, nickel cornerback, you know, obviously he slides inside when Fitton's on the field based on personnel-wise. But based on the snap count, Fitton was the nickel. He was on the field 38 times, or 38 snaps for 63%. The same amount as Willie gave. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, so do you, since we're on sort of defensive personnel, what do you expect the linebackers to look like? Because Spags talked about that a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you think that they will try to stay in base a little more often and keep all three of those guys out there? And then maybe even more interestingly at this point, what do you think happens when they do just go to one or two? Yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating because I've always felt, and this is part of like um, trying to get from the coaching perspective, which again, if you're, wanna, if you're willing to criticize a, a certain player or coach like try to see it from their vantage point the reason why i bring this all up is because i think this is the first time where spagnello can't be schemed into something Mm. so easily uh for instance when the buffalo bills spread it out four four and five wide receivers if you're not going to play armani watts we are schemed into playing daniel Sorensen, which then leads Mm -hmm. to you know being exploitable uh Mm. with the linebackers i do think because of his veteran status and his leadership, Anthony Hitchens will probably resume the middle linebacker role. Uh, there was a question today with Spagnuolo that says, hey, you know, and it might have been our, our buddy Mac Dirk. Yeah. Do you slide Hitchens to the Sam and keep 
Bolton in the middle, and then obviously Willie can be your fly-around wheel linebacker. And that's an interesting thought, but Spagnuolo didn't really give much to it other than say, oh, we'll think about it. But when he says, oh, I'm just thinking about that now, which means it probably not going <laughs> to translate itself to the field right. on right. Sunday. <laughs> which I always, I always enjoy that with like, we as reporters can, and it's just like everyday life. Somebody asks you a question and you're like, huh, well, I hadn't really thought about it or like, huh, it puts me kind of on the spot or like I wasn't necessarily uh, thinking in that same way. Well, we, we, you know, we do that from time to time. And so it's just funny to see like, you know, the, again, these coaches and players are human, but I do get the sense that it'll probably be Bolton at the Sam. The question then becomes, what do you do at Buffalo, which is basically their nickel package mm-hmm. and Willie Gay has got to be on the field. Yeah. I don't really care what you do with the other two. <laughs> like from an experience standpoint, it's probably going to be Hitchens um, because the Packers are very good at using motion and pre-snap movement to sort of uh, change some things for the defense. So you would assume, and again, assume you would assume the person quicker to translate that respond accordingly would be Hitchens, the veteran player. Although everyone in that facility has been quite amazed and impressed by Nick Bolton's ability to translate information to his teammates and within himself very quickly. And then he's not making the play because of a mistake. He's making the play because it's physically hard to be a linebacker in the NFL based on his size and what his physical limitations are. Um, so again, one would assume it'd be Hitchens, but I get the feeling, Josh, you would probably go the other way. Well, it's interesting. I just pulled this tweet back up to get the quote exactly right, and then I found a terrifying thing to see on any tweet, which is 93 quote tweets, because usually that means that you're getting ratioed in public. <laughs> uh, but in this case, it's just people retweeting it to say that they're unhappy. Um, I, I'm not even... Here's the thing. Hitchens is absolutely at least the third best linebacker on this team. Like, that is, I think, extremely... That's a you can, Yeah, you can especially say that, too, when you when you would, you would think with more playing experience, more different looks, obviously playing what we assume to be superstar quarterbacks, mm-hmm. that, that Bolton and Gay would improve as the year went on, where yeah. you're just trying to maintain the top form that is already fully developed within Anthony Hitchens. Yeah, and with Ben Neiman. As well, like just as, you know, guy that has a role, but should be the role as your fourth linebacker. Um, so Spag said, Hitch to me, he's the guy that smooths everything out, which I think is kind of interesting. And because Spag talks about Hitchens that way all the time. And the defense has not looked smooth at when, any level with him out there, which yeah. I just think is sort of interesting. Yep. Um, and his exact phrase in response to uh, to Matt Derrick's question was, I don't know if we'll go that route when asked if Hitchens could could move to Sam, which is him just saying no, but it, saying no to a question like that is rare. So there, it's just, I don't know if we'll go that route. Um, I, I, I think that your hunch for what I, what I would do is correct. I think I would rather just, if, if, if the difference in play is going to be minimal, I would I, the tie goes to the young guy for me in terms of what you're hoping to see. 
I'd, I'd rather see Nick Bolton in the middle of this defense the rest of the year because that's where he's going to be at the start of next season. Or if he ends up actually in over his head, which he does not appear to be right now, he's still not good in coverage, but that's okay. Like, you know, we all know that. Um, if he ended up looking in over his head or, or got picked on by quarterbacks later this season, I'd want to know that before I was making the, deci- the decision to cut Anthony Hitchens this offseason. Um, obviously, Willie Gay has to be on the field. Um he and Nick Bolton both have both the upside and the current actual physical tools to make a make an impact. I I know that might sound sort of cliche or like faint praise, but when is the last like obvious impact play that you remember Anthony Hitchens making? There might be one in the last few weeks that I'm glossing over, but it seems like he's on the field sort of in that role of like, he knows the defense, he'll help everyone get into position and all of that. But much like some of that logic ended up applying to Daniel Sorensen, and Anthony Hitchens is a better linebacker than Dan Sorensen is a safety right now. I'm going to just say that. But much in the same way that that Dan Sorensen gets put out there because he's smart and he knows the defense, he knows where he's supposed to be. But then whenever he's not those things, you go, well, why is that guy playing? Because it's not for his it's not for his foot speed anymore. I'm not I'm not all the way there with Hitchens, but if it ends up taking Willie Gay or Nick Bolton off the field right now, that's a hard one for me to argue in favor of. Well, a little counter argument would be there were times, maybe not this season, but there were times when I always felt like Anthony Hitchens' best attribute was reading the quarterback and understanding that, oh, that's a screen. And, oh, I can mm-hmm. go make sure that it's a minimal game. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few times where he actually would make plays in the backfield. And Anthony Hitchens is very good at blitzing, which they haven't done a ton with him necessarily yeah. this year. Now, some of that is because he had the injury – um, I think in the second quarter of the Washington game, um, when the Chiefs originally signed Anthony Hitchens, they thought he'd be a three-down linebacker, and then that was proven to not necessarily be the case. Um, so he's a two-down linebacker who can play three downs if you need to based on whatever else is available to you. But you're right. I mean, we're on to maybe the precipice of how long can he maintain this both physically and from a you know performance standpoint, and then obviously there's going to be a slight decline or a more harsh decline, i.e. Mm-hmm. Daniel Sorensen. So mm-hmm. you're right to bring this up. And I think most fans will probably agree with you that, hey, uh, let's see what the young kids can do. You know, I, I I wrote about this after the Washington victory because it was, it was very evident that like, oh, the reason why the defense played today was because of the younger players, not because of the older, right. we pay you a lot, you're supposed to be the leaders and Generally, the guys that, you know, generate the the notable statistics. Um, and honestly, it might be better for this unit if the trend is the young kids get better as the season goes along and you just see it week after week after week, them becoming more of a yes. quote-unquote unit together. And then the older guys still maintaining disciplined eyes, having the mm-hmm. right leverage, being... being uh, communicative with their teammates if the ball comes to them making a play. And that's something that, you know, Tyron Matthew talked about on Wednesday. The idea of like, hey, I maybe I was forcing it. Maybe I was trying to do too much. And I think there were some snaps against the Tennessee game where he was like, you know what? F it. I'm blitzing. Right. <laughs> I'm tired of this. 
And then Ryan Tannehill's like, thank you. Boop, right over your head to a bubble screen that goes for nine yards. And guess what? It's now second and one. You know, it's like one of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Tyron Matthew to be disciplined enough to obviously trust Juan Thornhill. But if the ball does come your way or if there is a tip ball, make the correct play. Get the interception. Um, if there's a tackle to be made ahead of the goal line, just do it. Don't don't give up and let the guy necessarily go in. Um, that's probably where this defense needs to be headed. Unless, 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 and I'm going to say this real quiet, because guys, I don't know if I'm ready to trust it, but what if they could get pressure with four? Oh my God. Just, just what if, what if? Yeah. And what if, and what if it started raining gumdrops tomorrow? Nate, what are we, what are we living in a fantasy world? I, I'm just going to read you a, I'm just going to read you a stat. Okay. It's. It's just, it's not from me. It's from PFF, okay? Pro Football Focus. Yeah, that's short for Pro Football Focus. Frank Clark's game against the Giants on Monday was the best of his career. A 91.7 grade is the highest of any game he's ever played in the NFL. What if he's trying If I've said it once, I've said it a million times, Nate, you can't trust those analytics. What, what, but, but, but what if, as Seth has told me, and he's, he, I go to his Twitter account, go to his newsletter, he, he clipping them out with the plays, starting to show speed and power. And Chris Jones will play the majority of his snaps inside. Multiple people in the organization have told me this. And Melvin Gordon's a human body that could beat a one-on-one, right? Did they also trade for Melvin Gordon? I told them not to add any linebackers. Melvin damn, Ingram, damn damn running backs, damn running backs. I screwed up also. Ah. I had a chance to dunk on you. You were under the basket and the ball left my hand too soon. I smacked it off the back of the rim. <laughs> I am <Damn>. not. <laughs> Ooh, so you're, you're not going to treat me like LeBron James treated the Jet? <laughs> no. I, uh, I'm going to treat you like LeBron James right now. Like I've got, like I just strained my abs. I think it's an abdominal injury, right? I, I mean... Quietly, guys. Can I, can I, I give you? Can, I, I don't I know. Mentioned. I don't know if you ahead. love. I don't know if you love LeBron James or not. But guys, it's gonna be sad. We're here. Oh yeah, yeah we're we're here now. Like yeah. maybe you hope for like one more Larry Bird. Like out of nowhere, he still like mesmerizes you in maybe May. June is another thing. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's gonna be hard. They're so old. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I think I might have mentioned this one of the recent episodes, but whenever Frank Clark came to the podium and spoke to us for the first time since week two, week two, right? Okay, yeah. Um, He talked about all the hamstring stuff and the timeline of it all. I think I mentioned this on the podcast at some point already, but worth worth mentioning again. Yeah. Where he was like, yeah, I, you know, I kind of got my training camp legs and then my hamstring got yanked. And then I tried to rest a little bit, and then I heard a pop. And then I had to end up waiting a lot longer, and now I'm kind of fully getting back up to speed. Him actually, look, it, the I'll play the part of Seth here for this line. The, the money is already spent, and, and the conversation that we'll have about his contract this offseason is going to have to happen regardless of how this year goes. And he's probably going to get paid by both the Chiefs and someone else after this season, if I continue to have to guess. But the idea that he would be hitting his 2021 stride just now 
makes total sense to me. Like, just sort of hearing his explanation of where his legs have been, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it makes a ton of sense. And look, um, Chris Jones said after the game on Monday night that he probably won't be 100% for the, rain, for the remainder of the year. And yep. unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, we didn't get to ask like the natural follow-up, which is like, I never asked. I never like asking players, but like, what are you at? 78%, 89, right. 88, 87? <laughs> like, just not what your head. What percent do you think you're at right now not, at this not, point? Not your season. head, 86. <sighs> well, you know, Josh, it's a, you know, it, it's a, it's a next man up mentality. <laughs> um, these games come and you got to be ready. Uh, I get in there and I get my treatment. I'm a professional at this. You know, it's, it's, week, what are we in week nine? We're in week nine, right? I mean, yeah. Who do we got this week? The, the 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 Packers. I'm so focused on taking care of my body and, and eating right and sleeping well and um, not making rash decisions. Um, you know, with all that said, I'm about 57 percent right now. Oh, oh wow! And oh no, we gotta get you. A, we gotta get you a bye week asap. Yeah, I mean, look, veteran guys know how to get through it. Um, That's true. You know, right. I'm not saying I'm out here making business decisions, but um, my business is getting handled. So. Uh, you know, the trainers will get me right. I'll get in that gym. I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get nice and loose before kickoff and, you know, hope that my 75 is, is better than their 75. I, uh, I think I'm probably at about a, I, I, I think probably about about 68% because mm. if I was just a little better, I'd be, I'd be nice, but I'm not quite there. So, uh, I think about 68% at this point. Uh, was there anything else from the uh, the pressers today that that you thought was interesting that caught your eye? That I don't know if you're planning on writing again before mm-hmm. the game. I imagine you probably will be. Yes, uh, yeah, I'll, anything- I'll write something defensive related that hopefully will be on the athletic by the time most uh, listeners hear this. But yeah, well, good. We've already covered we've already covered most of the defensive mm-hmm. stuff. I think at this point. Um, Oh, I did have one other thought defensively no, go for it. sort of interesting. That you mentioned that I think you, I don't remember if you asked Tyron Matthew about this or if we just talked about it. Somebody asked him about it. Might have been you. Who's to say? I'm going to say it was you because it was, it was a, a nice question. Um, he he tweeted about how like he's which by the way Tyron Matthew tweeted not a scary sentence in the episode. We're okay. Um, but but Matthew tweeted about how like eventually the ball's going to find him, can't avoid him forever, and all yep. that. Yep. And I was just thinking about that again. Um, oh no. <laughs> then after somewhere right later, then I asked Tyron Matthews. Yes, about it was me, and we comboed him. We did. We combo blocked him. Let's go. We combo blocked him on a good little playmaking. No wonder I thought it was so interesting. You and I asked the questions. It's pretty wild that both Do of us it. asked those questions, and I was like, that didn't. That was look, not very interesting. Look, fans. I know uh, we're not in the locker room. You're not getting as much information. But look, when we put when me and Josh put our hand in the dirt, just know <laughs> we're pushing. We're pushing. A tired Matthew when we get the opportunity to. That was one of those plays where, like, you clearly did all the work, but I'm going to get credit for the sack because I got there second, you know? It's like you took on a double team and completely flooded the pocket, in, and then I was just, I was, I was, you know, Jaron Reed sort of just hopping through, going, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'll clean up. Um, but I, I think that that whole line of, of questioning and, and everything is very interesting because not that it's anything that, that Matthew is or isn't doing, but what I asked him the follow-up of was sort of, in that balance of like, hey, how do you play safety in the put out fires sort of do your job department? And how do you balance that with wanting to be the guy that goes and creates the big play and turns the ball over, gives it back to your offense? Because that's something I, I, I was going to actually pull this up before the podcast and I forgot about it today. 
But I'm quite sure that the the Chiefs front seven has more interceptions this year than their defensive backs do. And I, I don't their defensive backs haven't been like any sort of atrocious. There's there's been some issues, but I I just think it's interesting that it seems like this defense has sort of hoped it would set a certain floor or and then maybe the pass rush would be able to create some some just 50-50 balls or, yeah. or misthrown passes that then they can pick off, but they they have not been very good at sort of interceptions in the more traditional sense and I wonder if that's by design, if that's something by accident, but certainly it's something that they really need to figure out also more news here Deshaun Jackson unclaimed on waivers today fire not free to sign with any team fire it up or it's already been fired up um now the fires the fires are simmering um now look uh the Chiefs have six interceptions this year uh the leading uh landlords if we want to use that term uh-huh. are really gay and Tyron Matthew. Now, Tyron Matthew's two interceptions came in the first half of yeah, the first like half that he played all minutes. season yeah. against Lamar Jackson. And look, one of them was, hey, he was in the right space. Sammy Watkins fell down. Hey, as I mentioned earlier, that's what we're asking the veterans to do right now. Be mm-hmm. in the right space. If the ball comes to you, you know what to do with it. Guess what, kids? Tyron Matthew got it in the end zone. Uh, and then the second one was... Him kind of getting to your point, Josh, which was it was still within the framework of when I, at least when I look at the all twenty two, it was still within the framework of the call from Spagnolo, but he slightly freelanced, knew where Lamar Jackson or he sort of predicted where Lamar was going to go uh, with the football, and then he intercepted it. He made a play. Um, it's been tougher to do that because I think opposing quarterbacks, most notably Josh Allen, never threw a ball this, near this man's way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's, he's going to have to struggle and, and battle with that. But again, that sort of asks the young, the younger players to, again, be competent so that maybe he can he can make a player or two. Um, yeah, Tershawn Wharton has an interception. Remember when Mike Hughes saved the, saved the season on week one? Uh, against Baker, against a healthy Baker Mayfield. Yeah, no kidding. I did. Boy, I forgot about that completely. Boy, does the season change? Because um, no kidding, Mike Hughes. Man, it's tough. It's tough to play in this league. Um, yeah, and that's that's no slight to him. It's just it's really hard. Like you can yeah. have a good training camp. You can have a good preseason, which he did. Um, you could play relatively well. I think. I think the. It's hard. The Browns really schemed some nice, some things up nicely that obviously there was no way for Mike Hughes to really prepare for it because it was the first game of the season and they had no film of what to go on uh, with these, you know, with the new concepts that the Browns were sort of developing all offseason. But he sort of, you know, he's, his, his play sort of eroded as the season's gone along here. Uh, but yeah, Willie Gay might lead the team in interceptions this year just because he's a young, athletic, can read the quarterback eyes and I, we we realize Josh he doesn't have stone for hands. Yes. Uh, so I think to Tyron, um, you know, here's a little journalism one on one trick. Sometimes you want to show the player that you are knowledgeable and cognitive mm-hmm. or cognizant of them, knowing that hey, I shouldn't have said some of the things I said on Twitter. I shouldn't have said some of the things I said on Instagram. And you're like, hey man. I got it. I know. But you also said this on Twitter. Yes. And we can actually discuss this. Yes. <laughs> so let's discuss it. Um, 
just take that with you. You know, if if the Zoom meeting isn't going well, um, there's always a way to sort of, you know, transition in an appropriate manner. And then if you got a good teammate like Josh, <laughs> then they're ready to go. In addition to that, what about this? And now we're off. And now, and now we're all in a much friendlier place, and we exactly. can just talk yes, about we, creating turnovers. You know. By the way, inside sports journalism, that is the job. The job yeah. is to literally say, "That was this. You get it. I get it. And we are adult and responsible and well researched enough to ask you appropriate questions in this setting. Yeah. To where, hey." Maybe there's some respect, some honesty, and some truth that comes across both sides. And ladies and gentlemen, we got that on Wednesday. <laughs> we really did. So I applaud everybody involved. Me, Josh, and Tyree. We now we didn't get quite as much from Melvin Ingram today. If you want to talk about well. the defense on one <laughs> We didn't get anything from Melvin Ingram today, but I enjoyed it if that if that's uh, possible. Hey, his first performance of the of of uh as a member of the Chiefs went swimmingly. You know, uh, he's 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 really focused. He's ready to go to work. Um, I I think the, I think the thing that we learned, um, but it wasn't said verbally, but just like hey, and, I, and I'm gonna write I'm gonna write this, but like hey, it's better to admit fault and just say hey, like now we can make it work. So mm-hmm. uh, the Chiefs should have signed him. Or should have done more to convince him to sign. Excuse me. They should have done more to convince him to sign. Sure. And, um, hey, you know, even though he didn't say he was a hostage, and even though Mike Tomlin called him a hostage because he, mm-hmm. he ain't a volunteer, at least, you know, uh, Melvin Ingram was like, can I not be either? Can I just get out of here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so credit to him for understanding the situation, not trashing the Steelers just as he got inside the Chiefs building. Um, yeah, I just... Uh, I think he knows, man, I I can have some real one-on-one opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and for whatever reason, the Steelers and him just, whatever, they didn't mesh or they were asking him to do more than just, hey, go beat your man one-on-one. And I think for Steve Spagnuolo, that's all you got to tell him is... You're going to play maybe 50% of the snaps, maybe 60% if we really get this thing cooking. But, like, situationally, uh, beat your man one-on-one, especially if everybody else stays healthy, that being Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about the offense some, because we also heard from Eric the Enemy today, not that he's uh, necessarily diagramming plays for us or anything at the podium. Uh, we, we heard from Mahomes yesterday and Andy Reid yesterday. O- on the offensive side, I mean... It's so strange because the the Chiefs won last week, but they put up 20 points against the Giants defense that no one thinks is particularly great. The Packers defense is pretty good. It's just not whatever what leads that conversation ever for that team. What what are you feeling right now in terms of what the Chiefs are going to be going up against? Because I'll give you my score prediction for this game later in the show, but I, I probably should have tried to remind myself of the fact that they held the Bengals to 22 points. Just on Thursday, they held the Cardinals to 21. Like, a couple of really good offenses they've gone up against have, have been held in the very low 20s. 
Yeah. They ha- they haven't given up more than 28 points all year. It, it, yeah, and it's wild nope, because... No, sorry, other than week one. Week yeah, one, well, James Winston took him to class. Yeah. And then after that, they didn't give up more than 28. Yeah, because I, I do remember that, that, that 49ers game early in the year where that kind of, you know, again, it's sort of one of those pivotal moments um, in the season where Aaron Rodgers sort of saves the defense and then the following week the defense, you know, kind of does its job and then you got some real uh, momentum on both sides. You know, when you watch them, and this was definitely the case on Thursday night, like, is there a TJ Watt on the field? No. Hmm. Is there an Ed Reed? No. I mean... Uh, they just took a guy off the Cardinals practice squad and threw him out there. They are solid and they are opportunistic. And ladies and gentlemen, if that doesn't hit you right in the chest as a Chiefs fan, because that's all you're asking your defense to be. Solid, opportunistic. Um, I also get the sense, too, that the Chiefs are going to have to continue to use misdirection plays or at least show something pre-snap. Um to help Mahomes, to help the offense get moving. Um, but look, I, I asked Eric Bietemi today, and you were there for it as well, Josh. Like, they, they got to get Travis Kelsey going, but we're kind of in the middle of the year, and he's clearly banged up um, and gutting it out, being a you know, you know, know, football warrior. Uh, but I'm fascinated to know how they will try to scheme up Kelsey for the middle of the field, because that should help any quarterback, let alone a superstar in Mahomes that's in a bit of a slump. Um, and... Again, I have no idea who's going to be the running back. <laughs> like I, I have no idea if it should be Derek Gore. I have no idea if you should trust Daryl Williams. Which again, not necessarily a criticism. It's just I don't know. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, by the way, has not practiced this week, so it appears that he will at least miss this game, which will be his fourth straight. And we'll see if he is able to return to practice next week. That'll be something that I ask uh, Andy Reid tomorrow on Friday. Uh, just to see if there's any update there from the training medical staff perspective. Um, but those are the, those are the two things for me, Josh, is like, can Travis Kelsey sort of, I won't say necessarily get back on track, but can he be a more viable option? Uh, because that was one of the more surprising things about the Giants, if you don't consider like that his body might be a little bit beat up and maybe he needs um, another week to get through things. And then secondly, uh, they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to be balanced. Uh, but who are they actually handing the ball off to? Because, and by the way, is Jared McKinnon on the team anymore? I don't, I don't even see him. I, even, I mean. His most impactful play last week was made with his face mask, and then the Giants caught it. Oh, uh, to be fair, I did see him at practice today. But I haven't seen him. Where's he at? I don't know. Does anybody mention his name? I don't think Eric Bannery mentioned his name once. Yeah, I don't think so. So uh, Patrick Mahomes yesterday was talking about that play. And he did said that not he threw mention. it too hard. He said he threw it too hard to Josh Gordon and then it hit the other guy. <laughs> did not mention his name. He didn't say his name. Ugh, I mean, was he out there? Is he out there? Where is it? Where is McKinnon? So weird. Uh does like, McKinnon have a makes helmet? So much sense. Bizarre. Yeah, and by the way, Jerry McKinnon, the more veteran player of anyone available in the running back group. And and they and instead, Derek Gore got five straight clutch carries and ended up in a touchdown last week, who you probably had never heard of unless you were at training camp at the beginning. Like just that's yeah, it's insane. It's just it's ridiculous. Yeah. Wild time. Also, can I, anybody other than Tyree Kill get open? That'd be so nice. That's, that's what I that was gonna be my question. Is like is is 
the first the Travis Kelsey thing is obviously a good point, but if a, if teams are going to just absolutely devote themselves, mind, body, and spirit to making sure that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey just stop having fun with the sport of football, somebody else has to get open. And so this is the question that, that I will ask you, Nate, and I believe I've asked you this question every week for what feels like months now, even though it definitely hasn't been that long. Is this the week for Josh Gordon? <laughs> Fool me seven times, shame on me. <laughs> Uh, or if not, who is it? This is this is why this is why Josh Gordon continues to be so alluring here. Yes, because if you say no, then I'm gonna say, well, then is it the week for Demarcus Robinson? And you're gonna go, I mean, not really. He's just what it's me. <laughs> McCole Hardman, I mean, not really. Like he's a very talented football player, but not he's not gonna you know be Sammy Watkins or whatever. Oh, uh, so can it be Josh Gordon? We, we've reached the portion of the podcast where I now must read you a paragraph in TheAthletic.com. Yes! Now, this is across all teams, so this is a fun experiment if you got time, or fun experience, I should say, if you have time. But each, oh, yeah. each reporter of each NFL team was asked to say, hey, I'll raise my hand. Some of my predictions, when I reread them at the beginning of the season, are just, whew! They're bad. Um, but hey, I didn't know Chris I didn't know Chris Jones was gonna have a wrist injury. I thought he'd get 15 sacks as a defensive end. Anyway, just because again, <sighs> training camp in the regular season are not the same thing. Now yeah. uh, those 50 to 1 Chris Jones for defensive player of the year bets seemed so smart at yep, the time. Yep, they really did. So I did five. Also, can I also can I stay at your house? <laughs> Anytime. Unless Chris Jones has seven sacks on Sunday. Anytime. Thank yeah, you. just keep pushing that bet till the next week. I'll get you that. I'll get you that next week. But also, just, I mean, but also, can nothing. I double down on the same? On the That's same right. Bet? That's right. That's what I'm doing. I'm gonna go. Let's see what. I bet Frank Clark's got pretty good odds right now. I bet he has a good finish this season. Um. So I wrote five predictions as we are now reaching the midway point, which will be Sunday. Nine games in a 17 game season. Again, still weird to say. But look, I, I one of the one of my predictions is that number three passing option, <laughs> he not walking through that door. Mm-hmm. Uh so here's my paragraph in theathletic.com. McCole Hardman does have the third most receiving yards, 352, but a lot of his production has been a byproduct of short passes or touch passes from Mahomes behind the line of scrimmage while in jet motion to use his speed on the field's perimeter. Byron Pringle, a four-year veteran, has had his moments, but he has struggled to get open, but he struggled to get open against the Giants. The biggest disappointment has been Josh Gordon, the fifth-year receiver who the Chiefs signed in late September. In four games, Gordon has recorded one, only one reception for 11 yards in paragraph. It's, I just want to be surprised at this point, Josh. Yeah. He's so physically gifted. And unlike some other teams, you know, when we get to the middle of the season and further on, Andy Reid doesn't want to show us as much practice time, which is fine. He has prerogative. Um, It's not the same that we would have gotten at training camp. And this is Mm -hmm. this is the difference where, hey, if I had watched him in late August and I had seen a full two and a half hour practice, I'd have a better understanding 
again, not a game speed, but a better understanding of like what is he physically capable of. Um, I don't know. So I'm just hoping that I'm surprised when the football arrives to Josh Gordon's hands. Mm. Now you may be more optimistic than me, um, but that's, that's probably where I am where at least I am more consistent. At least I have a a reliability when it comes to McCole Hardman's production. I have an idea of what that looks like now, even though I thought it would maybe, you know, slightly more different or, some version of what Sammy Watkins used to do, or at least he used to provide in terms of making the defense honor the middle of the field at every level, short, intermediate, and deep. As I said, look, Byron Pringles had his moments. There's been times where he has been open. Now, it hadn't really gone that well since Tennessee and New York. But we know when he gets the ball in his hands, he can actually do something. He can actually make a guy miss. He is physically gifted. Uh, He did show some nice breakaway speed against the Ravens. Uh, four games, man. I don't, I don't really know with Josh, and I wonder if the Chiefs are quietly starting to say that to themselves. Mm. Two things. One, a PSA here. If you want to read the rest of that article from Nate, this is a rare occasion when you don't even have to be subscribed to the Athletic to check it out. It is a part of the Athletic's midseason NFL report, which is unlocked for everyone due to our great friends at State Farm. I feel bad that they're not getting the game they wanted with uh, Chiefs-Packers this week, but they are giving you the content that you want. So you can go read that those uh, midseason predictions from Nate, regardless of if you subscribe or not. Uh, secondarily, PSA in the rear view there, uh, do, you have a, do you have a theory as to why the Chiefs might be at that point with Gordon or, or what it is that has limited him so much so far? Because he hasn't gotten less physical right like no right right what what is what is the one thing that's 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 hampering that still in your eyes yeah or or maybe it's more than one yes it's more than one thing part of it is um the chemistry between him and Mahomes is still a work in progress you can see that especially when when plays break down which I mentioned last episode um now the Chiefs have been in the red zone and I feel like Monday's game against the Jacks was the first time that, like, okay, Josh is running routes in the red zone as a big body, and it was there. Um, and Mahomes, as he mentioned, just just missed him, you know. Um, against Washington, there was a time where I think they designed a slant for him, and it just wasn't there. Um, which, again, kind of hard to say when you're bigger than the DB covering you. Yeah. I really haven't seen Josh run deep routes that well. Um, and so I think each week the the coaches, maybe the players themselves, obviously they're incorporated in this game plan as well, are trying to f- figure out what fits. Obviously, we've talked about two high safeties a ton. Um, you know, they, I think, have wisely started, at least this was Sunday, or, excuse me, Monday against the Giants. They they wisely did something they did similar to the Eagles where they just said, hey, um, Tyree Hill, crossers, deep ends, deep, deep comebacks, like things that are obviously designed against either too high man or too high zone. Problem with that is now Josh Gordon is maybe on the outside or he's not occupying the space that I thought he would. Because when he's originally signed, 
I was of the opinion and talking to a few people that, hey, maybe you put him in the slot, work the middle of the field, similar to what Sammy Watkins used to do with Travis Kelsey. And that's what made it so hard was that, like, one of those dudes is going to be open as long as the protection holds up. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's so many things. Um, and one of the things that I think people don't really um, – maybe they haven't thought about a ton is Josh needed some real – positive uh so you needed something positive to happen much sooner than it has now Mm. and so i thought they would have schemed things up in a way to get him an easy completion an easy two for 24 you know doesn't look great on the stat sheet but hey it's something to then obviously build on as the season goes along you know the big risk in all of this was a can josh gordon make it to the end of the year because of um his issues that are not football related specifically mm-hmm. and B well, if he is going to make it to the end of the year, will he be a fully formed complimentary player? IE the number three option by the playoffs. Well, this is slower than we thought. And I thought the fastest way to speed that up was get him that two for 24. Uh, yeah. Let him touch the ball, let him get hit. Uh, and though his one reception kind of came on a scramble Mahomes like, He's big and he's tall, and let me just throw this thing up. And give credit to him. He caught it um, against the Buffalo Bills. But since then, uh, slow start in Tennessee. Yes, Mahomes. It's it's just weird. Again, the receiver needs to be well-serviced by the quarterback. So the last two targets, I believe, are Mahomes scrambling out of a pocket way too early against Tennessee. And then it's like, well, he's down there. Hell, I'm going to fling it. <laughs> and give credit to the linebacker who just physically outmuscled Josh Gordon to deflect the pass that was eventually picked off. And then Monday night, he's not wide open, but based on his size, he's open. And the quarterback hit Jerick McKinnon in the face mask. Mm-hmm. So you need better quarterback play also for maybe the 2-24 to 24 to like go from 4 to like 51. To go to like six to like seventy three. All you're asking Josh Gordon, I think, in a playoff game, if we even get there, is six catches for seventy three yards. Maybe a couple first downs. Obviously, um, don't really need a don't even need a touchdown. Just can you help matriculate the ball down the field? Can you help the defense stay honorable and uh, allow Tyreek Hill to run deeper routes? Because somebody's got to open that up. And unfortunately, Byron Pringle can't do that and McCole Harmon is uh still the player that you're comfortable with showing the defense uh closer to the line of scrimmage than past it I can't wait to get super excited whenever the Browns eventually cut Odell Beckham and then that also won't work but would still just be really exciting for like three days I'm I'm, I'm sold on that already <laughs> uh don't want his contract but you know if they cut him yeah uh, you know uh-huh. I'd be intrigued yeah. Uh, real quick here, last thing on the injury front, all the uh, the reports just came out from the Chiefs. Everyone was a full participant today who's on the active roster, except for Mike Rimmers, uh, although Dan Brown just has some little dashes down there after a DNP yesterday, so I don't know. He if was, I think he was taking his was, physical yesterday um, okay. as part of like traveling from New right. York to Kansas City. So, so yesterday he didn't practice. Yes. Today there's just little dashes there, so but, I don't know what that means. But yeah, anyway. I, I would assume that means... He's full without an injury designation, even though he's oh. technically on the injury report, is my sure. understanding of that. 
Yeah, under injury, it's got NIR, not injury related, and yes. then travel. So maybe, yeah. so maybe he was actually practicing today. Um, so Mike Remmers not practicing again. Seems like Lucas Niang will probably start right tackle again, which was crazy because that switch got made three weeks ago. Two games worth right there for Remmers, right? And uh, now Niang's back. So you know, good to have some offensive line depth for that reason. Yeah. Okay. Give me a uh, give me a score because we have to do that. I think, and this game is weird. Chiefs 27, Packers. I'll give them 24. I mean, it's 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 probably gonna be tighter than you expect. Um, but I think the Chiefs should win. And because of the statistic you mentioned earlier, Josh, about what the Packers defense has done, it would be uh slightly unusual if they got blown out. Yeah. Chiefs minus seven and a half seems way too high. Crazy to me. Seems insane. Now, what you can't account for, because it's a quarterback in year two in his first career start, is a pick six. <laughs> right? That's what, you, pick six? that's what you can't account for. And I always wonder with these type of lines with Vegas, like, is that something you can equate to as like a four-point, three-point swing? Like, mm-hmm. I think this, this line should probably, in my opinion, be three and a half. Because the Packers are good and yeah. the quarterback is immensely, incredibly gifted and like Hall of Fame first ballot. Um, but the other guy is a first round draft pick who, you know, has had a year and a half to get ready for this moment. But again, you never know when that pick six might come, might be coming. And if you're a Chiefs fan, you hope that happens, you know, at some point in the game on Sunday. I think I said yesterday, I think I said 30 to 27. Um, thir- I think 30 points wins the game. I, I do think that's probably the case. I also saw, not to just make this a gambling advice show, because you should not be taking my Mm-mm. sports betting advice anyway. <laughs> um, but I saw also the over-under for Packers points was 19 and a half. That also seems too low. Yeah. So if you wanted to just pick a thing, that was my my prop bet choice of the week in terms of and, like, that and, seems, that, st- that stands out a little bit. Josh, just remind the people, how many points did the Giants score? Uh, it's 17. Could have had more, you know, if Joe Judge, you know. Was a grown-up? Yeah, a backbone. Joe Judge, <laughs> if Joe Judge had a, a, a working headset and a backbone... Just ask him. The first one was way more important. Than <laughs> so here, this is where the box score kind of lies to you. So yes. I would agree with you. 19 and a half seems, seems to be there for the taking. Because yes. look, even if he throws a pick six, well, guess what, boys? We're Get right back on the back. field. Devontae, go. <laughs> Devontae Adams is going to have 47 receptions. I don't know what his over-under is, but take the over on that also. Yes. The over-under would, would break the NFL record you're telling me? Over, baby. Congratulations if you have Devontae Adams in a PPR league. Because I don't know how many yards he's going to have. But he's going to have 40 catches. Uh, Okay, that's it. That's the show. If you want to go see anything that uh, Seth has done but hasn't said on the show today, uh, you can do that at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. And again, unlocked for everybody at The Athletic. You can go get Nate's midseason predictions for the Chiefs. He mentioned earlier, you said the phrase uh, postseason, if that happens. Does Nate think that's going to happen? That's One way or another, that's one of the predictions in the piece. You can go check that out for yourself. And you can follow all of us on Twitter, uh, at RealMNChiefsFan for Seth, at ByNateTaylor, obviously for Nate. 
I am at JB Briscoe. Also, soonish, gonna have something with Jamal Charles that'll go out. Talked to him this morning, and uh, it was a, a good time. I don't, I gotta do some video editing. I gotta do some. I gotta do a whole lot of stuff before that seeds the light of day. But before too long, uh, a little something else there that I'll I'll put out. So that's it. That's the show. Enjoy the uh, the State Farm Bowl. Maybe we can get Jordan Love. Oh my God! Can you imagine how pissed Aaron Rodgers would be if Jordan Love started getting State Farm commercials <laughs> after this? Holy! Don't God. let him walk out of Arrowhead with a victory. Oh my goodness! Classic. Oh, we case. didn't even talk. We didn't even talk about the fact that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers isn't playing because he got immunized, quote unquote, in Canada, and the NFL was like, "Nah, man, that's not." the rule that's not the same thing whatever whatever you're trying out here is not the same thing and apparently shailene woodley likes to make her own medicines which is crazy because she's not a doctor (sighs) to have a night to have a nice dinner with those two they Uh, seem like they could be lovely they seem like i'm just saying the whole nightmare the whole thing would be fascinating now absolutely since we're at the end of the show i'm just gonna remind chiefs fans aaron Rodgers will be y'all on sunday he will 100% be like, hey, it'd be great if we won a 10 to 9 game. <laughs> it would also be great if, like, the Chiefs won to Josh's prediction, 30 27, because, oh, shucks, if they only had me. So, um, you won't see him. You probably won't hear him. But I think Aaron Rodgers is like, if I can't beat Patrick Mahomes, why would I want you to beat Patrick Mahomes? I didn't even want them to draft you. So, um, just keep that in mind when you watch Sunday's game. Somewhere in the great distance, Aaron Rodgers will quietly might be perhaps occasionally rooting for the Chiefs. That's so cynical, Nate. I bet he loves Jordan Love like a brother. Sure.